Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. Abandonment to Divine Providence by Jean-Pierre de Cossard, S.J. Book 3, Chapter 1, Section 4, Distrust of Self, The Fourth Trial of Souls in the State of Abandonment, The Obscurity of Their State and Their Apparent Opposition to the Will of God, Continued. This sense of feeling lost is without doubt a death blow to the soul, for it loses sight of the divine will, which, so to speak, withdraws itself from observation to stand behind it and push it on, becoming thus its invisible principle and no longer its clearly defined object. Experience proves that nothing kindles the desire more than this apparent loss. Therefore, the soul vehemently desires to be united to the divine will and gives vent to the most profound sighs, finding no possible consolation anywhere. A heart that has no other wish but to possess God must attract him to itself. And this secret of love is a very great one, since by this way alone, are established in the soul sure faith and firm hope. It is then that we believe what we cannot see and expect to possess what we cannot feel. Oh, how much does this incomprehensible conduct of an action of which one is both subject and instrument tend to one's perfection without any visible sign of appearance. Everything that one does seems done by chance or natural inclination and is very humbling to the soul. When inspired to speak, it seems as if one spoke only from oneself. One never sees by what spirit one is impelled. The most divine inspiration is a terror. And whatever one does or feels is a source of constant self-contempt, as though it were all faulty and imperfect. Others are always admired, and one feels very inferior to them, while their whole way of acting causes confusion. The soul distrusts its own judgment and cannot be certain about any of its thoughts. It pays excessive submission to the least advice given by a respectable authority, and the divine action is thus keeping it apart from striking virtue. And the divine action is thus keeping it apart. It pays excessive submission to the least advice given by a respectable authority. And the divine action, in thus keeping it apart from striking virtue, seems to plunge it into deeper humiliation. This humiliation has no appearance of virtue to the soul. According to its own idea, it is pure justice. 
the most admirable thing about it is that in the eyes of others, whom God does not enlighten, and even in its own eyes, the soul appears actuated by feelings absolutely contrary to virtue, such as pure obstinacy, disobedience, troublesomeness, contempt, and indignation, for which there seems no remedy. The more earnestly the soul strives to overcome these defects, the more do they increase, because they form part of the design of God as being the most suitable means of detaching the soul from itself to prepare it for the divine union. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, patron of thy own, vessel of the Holy Ghost. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why does God allow the soul to feel lost? Why does he remove from its spiritual sight, its understanding, a clearly defined object that is the divine will? Previously, the soul wanted nothing more than the divine will, and it saw very clearly what the divine will entailed. It knew what its obligations were. It knew what God was asking from it. And with active fidelity and passive fidelity, it pursued that object. It pursued what God showed was his will. Why does God remove, withdraw himself and his will as a clearly defined object? Why does the will then, as he says, kind of goes behind the person? And instead of being the thing you're seeking after, it's now sort of pushing the soul in ways that the soul doesn't recognize. It's like the soul doesn't know anymore where it's going. It simply knows somehow that this is the divine will, but it can't quite see clearly what that will is. Why does God do that? Well, several reasons are given in this section. The first is that it enkindles an incredible desire in the soul. Think about Mother Mary, the finding in the temple. Why did her son disappear from view for three days? Why did she look for him with sorrow? because her desire for him and his will was growing exponentially in that time. A desire for him and for his will by the apparent loss, he wasn't really lost, but the apparent loss made her more vehemently desire to be united to the divine will. It made her pray even more fervently. Okay, so 
It's increasing the desire. And why is that important? Because what God is trying to do is to lead us towards complete divine union in which God is all in all and that everything in us is somehow been transformed by his love. And so this apparent loss, this disappearing, is increasing our desires, increasing our capacity. Okay, that's the positive side. What's the other reason he gives? It detaches the soul from itself. Detaches the soul from itself. Because when the soul is very fervent about keeping a schedule and doing all its faithful duties and enduring these crosses so that it can be holy, when it's coming up with penances, when it's doing mortification, when it's being very disciplined, everything seems directed by the soul. And this is not bad. It's just that there is a kind of attachment to our own judgment. It's me who's doing this. Yes, his grace, his work. But there's some kind of secret egoism that we can't seem to get away from, that we can't seem to escape. But if we're going to become one with God, then that attachment to ourselves and our own way of doing things and our own judgment has to give way to his will. His will has to enter into the lowest crevices of our soul. Everything has to be subjected, transformed by him. And so this situation in which we no longer take any satisfaction in ourselves, the situation in which the things that we do don't seem admirable. In fact, it just seems troublesome. We seem troublesome to ourselves, and things are kind of going contrary to what we think we would like. And there seems to be no remedy, and our soul seems to be a mess now. Well, Father Dukasad is saying that's part of God's plan. Because there is a, a, a illness, a spiritual illness. There are difficulties in us that we cannot overcome by whatever effort we try. And by surrendering that, by recognizing that only God can do this, now we're getting closer. And so this mysterious section in which God is described as leading us along this darker path, hopefully makes more sense to us. It'll only make full sense when we go through it, but these things are important to read so that when the Lord does lead us into this path, or when he leads someone we know into this path, we'll at least have some idea that is good and holy to walk in the darkness with the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.